Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the extra show for episode 47 with guest Prospect General Secretary Mike Clancy. I'm Progress Deputy Editor Connor Pope and I'm joined by my colleague Progress Director Richard Angel. NEC elections finished this week. The um, ballots closed on Thursday. The new NEC will be in place immediately after Labour conference in a few weeks' time, but we won't find out the result of this election until Monday. So we're not really going to cover that. But it does kind of, it's a good pointer towards the run-in to Labour conference, which obviously is going to be crucially important this year as the last one, we suspect, before Brexit goes through. But before then, something possibly equally important is going to happen. Um, Trade union congress in a couple of weeks time you think that's going to be really important in the build-up of the pro-european movement don't you richard yeah i think there's a couple of things that are going to be important about tuc congress this year the first and undoubtedly the most important is it's the last before we're due to brexit unless article 50 is extended in some significant way and the view of the trade union movement i think is going to be an important one because Trade unions, of course, are institutions of our economy. They base themselves around where people go and work. And many people's work, particularly if it is related in any way to trade or goods that are are traded regularly, medicines, technology, science in some way, as well as various things that go through borders or things from the financial services sector, are, are interlinked with that. And of course, as the industrial arm of the labour movement, the trade union's view, I think, on that is really important. And they are the living embodiment in their aspirations of what Jeremy Corbyn has called a jobs first Brexit. And they will get to, for the movement, essentially define what a jobs first Brexit is. And Frances O'Grady, who's the general secretary, has been phenomenal in her leadership of the organisation, corralling the movement around arguing for the benefits of the single market. If we're going to have to go ahead with Brexiting, We've got to be in the single market. And I think we'll see that argument really become the considered view of the movement at large, because obviously the, diff- the movement isn't totally united in its view on Europe. You have the kind of RMT lexiteers through to those that are kind of massively pro-European like the TSSA. I was going to say there's quite a vibrancy of opinion uh, within the trade union movement, isn't there? And um, I, I do kind of feel that there isn't, it doesn't really get the coverage that you th- think it would the party conferences get quite a lot of coverage but the TUC which I've been to a few times presumably is a 
uh, a trade unionist. Um, you used to be a trade union official. You've been a few times. I have been you? a delegate for Unite the Union back in the really? day when I was chair of, <laughs> I think I was vice chair of Unite's youth committee when it was Amicus uh, back in the day. And I went along as a delegate then. It was Blair's last conference. Interesting. And then I went uh, a few years later as a community delegate when I worked for the trade union community. But, but it feels like sometimes the TUC conference only really gets a lot of attention when the big politician is is making their speech. But actually, there's a, there's a real vibrancy of opinion. And, and, you know, I think we really saw that actually when we had obviously Mike Clancy on this show earlier this week. You know, he takes a very different line to a lot of other general secretaries on, on a lot of things. He's got the growing union, though. Well, yeah, of course. But given the way the Labour leadership currently is and how close Jeremy Corbyn has been to to many of the trade unions throughout his career, perhaps there does need to be, purely from a Labour Party political perspective, better coverage of this TUC this year and, and what might happen. I think there should be because I, I think it's going to matter. And while we have a situation in which any politics in the Labour Party that dares to discuss the detail of a policy issue can only be viewed through the prism of, is this helping or hindering Jeremy Corbyn in Mm. some way? Is this part of some insert conspiracy theorist controlling evil group um, here uh, trying to thwart the best laid plans of Britain's first socialist uh, to lead the Labour Party? Irony included here, um, available for all people who've been in Britain uh, long enough um, and, um, and those who've become accustomed to our ways. This is actually really important because for the people who are delegates at conference, this issue is so fundamental to the future of trade unions and in what's innate in their business model, but their members and their ability to have work that it can't be viewed through that prism. They're almost so far in that kind of Corbyn space being trade unions in that self, that that isn't quite how that debate will be viewed in itself, which means we can actually have a proper debate about what does the job search Brexit look like? Is the customs union enough? Most of us who've considered the issue would think not. Certainly, if you're a public sector union, that can't be because if we leave the single market, that's 45 billion a year lost from the treasury. John McDonnell came up with 50 billion of increased taxes for his revenue account. That almost wipes them all away. If you're Unison and are looking to break the cap on pay or PCS or the likes, you need that revenue from being in the single market plus the McDonnell money to be able to afford the many things that Labour have promised. So from both sides of the movement, whether it's the private sector trade unions, whether it be Prospect Unite or the likes of Community, being in the single market is absolutely vital to their ability to trade and be private sector trade unions. If you're public sector unions, you need the income that we derive from being in that. And I think one of the things that most of them agree on is that free movement has been a good yeah, just and they want, to be, you know, they want to be welcoming to migrants. Because um, I wrote a, a piece for Progress magazine a few months ago about the kind of different groups within the Labour movement, both the Labour Party and trade unions, and the different positions that uh, were being kind of taken up on on free movement and immigration. It is really quite interesting because it, uh, the TUC does seem to be, you know, pretty pro-freedom of movement, while perhaps not all of the trade unions are quite in that space. But, but as a movement, that is their position. So you have to think of it like there's a train union as the bookend of either end of the movement. So the RMT is the Lexit, leave out, don't want any of this neoliberal club kind of thing at one end. And you've got the TSSA at the other end that is basically, don't want any of this single market nonsense. We're in or nothing, basically, full membership or nothing. So they're the two kind of extremes of the position represented yeah. by a almost both of them closed shop yeah. train unions. 
but the myriad of the movement in the middle that doesn't get the same coverage is essentially in a single market place. The problem that you have is that Len McCluskey knows his members' wages and prospects and even ability to have a job, whether they're public sector or private sector, because of course Unite represents both, is fundamentally derived from their membership of the single market. But he is not running Unite as a trade union. He is running it as a adjunct or a faction in the Labour Party. And therefore, he is the one trade unionist that is viewing this through Corbyn's prism. And that seems to me that if I was a Unite member, which I am no longer, that would be a problem because surely their jobs come before Jeremy Corbyn's job prospects and all the chatter around that. Mm. And this is not going to be about Jeremy Corbyn's job. It is about millions of people's jobs in the country. But I think our friend Francis O'Grady will do, will be able to corral the movement together and that, that that industrial arm of the Labour movement will speak with one voice. And the fact that comes two weeks before the Labour Party conference is important. And the motion, one of the motions that Labour say has been sharing with people is essentially a direct derivative of the motion that's going to TC Congress. So fingers crossed that we can get through a motion on a single market membership and on a people's vote on the basis that that, that we are asking the political wing of the Labour movement to reflect what was decided two weeks before at the industrial wing Mm. of the Labour movement. Before we wrap up, can I say another thing that's of interest about TC Congress very quickly? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, is that the those who are in favour of PR or electoral reform in some way, the place to look is at the trade union movement. So you'll notice that people like the Electoral Reform Society and the likes of the Make Votes Council, whatever, are doing less at Labour conference and much more at the trade union movement because they essentially believe the way to change the Labour policy down the track is to go and convince the trade union membership of that position. There's been some Mm. recent moves, PCS and others that have gone in that direction. And I think it was last year or the year before the TC passed a kind of, we will look into changing our policy and what that might look like. So again, if if Brexit isn't quite your thing, but electoral reform is, or stopping electoral reform is, (laughs) TUC Congress is going to be a quite interesting platform for that because Mm. that is where that uh, body of progressive ideas is looking to focus its campaigning efforts uh, because they believe if they can change the trade union movement, they can change the Labour Party. Historically, the trade union movement has not been in favour of PR. One, because they like strong governments because they're negotiators. They like to negotiate with somebody clear on the other side of the table. But also, most general secretaries don't like this pluralism stuff. So they don't let their unions have PR systems internally to elect their membership because if they did, they might not get re-elected. To elect their membership, sorry. To elect their leadership. Oh, right, so if, you're, if you're Len McCluskey, Len McCluskey gets elected because he's the candidate that gets the most votes mm, in the yeah, election, yeah. not the person who gets the majority. And if it was, uh, if there was an AV election, that maybe Len not. McCluskey would not be general secretary. So his union supporting PR for the country, but not the union, has been a reason why they haven't supported him for the country because they ain't the rules he wants to live by. <laughs> so interesting. So that's that, for those who are looking for that route for progressive politics, TC Congress is one to watch. What I was quickly going to ask was uh, MPs are back in Westminster next week after recess over the summer. But Parliament only sits for, what, two weeks, two weeks. Uh, before the party conference season starts. How much does uh, the party conference season just kind of take up what MPs are thinking about over that two weeks? Because you can't really get anything done in that time, can you? Normally, that would be the case. And it would, you come back for two weeks and it's all, uh, and the PLP meetings and the chatter and uh, whatever, there's some kind of progress of bills that are already starting down and then it's really setting things up for yeah. 
you know, the shadow cabinet prepping to say things, etc., or the, the actual cabinet. But uh, we barely have a functioning cabinet. So they are thinking about conference for their various leadership bids. But that is disrupted by the fact that Parliament will have to consider some things that essentially decide what their leadership bids might be or not on Brexit. And Labour barely has a working shadow cabinet. I'm not particularly seen any of them in the press recently. Jonathan Ashworth had a very good piece this week on midwives that I was able to talk about when I was on Sky News. But, you know, considering there's been a summer campaign about Make It in Britain, we've mm. barely heard from shadow treasury ministers, shadow business ministers. Like, we've not been, Labour's slightly asleep at the wheel on being a shadow front bench. But whether it's what it's playing for conference or not, it has got big Brexit things to decide in those two weeks. But also for Labour, because that we have had the most disastrous summer of our making on the anti-Semitism issue. The NEC meets on the 4th to discuss whether it adopts the international definition in full or not. People sadly suspect, and you had a brilliant piece on this last week or the week before, on the fact they're clearly angling for a, we'll accept all of them minus one of them, mm. as if 95% is the whole thing and that will kind of just do and hopefully this will all go away. I don't think it will, like, Adopting this definition is the minimum, not the maximum that the Labour Party has to do. The PLP then vote on the 5th whether it adopts it, which then goes back to the NEC when it meets again on the 18th. So there's a problem of Labour's making on anti-Semitism, which will occupy those two weeks. There's a problem of the government's making on Brexit and the various things it's delaying. And then there's a normal workload on conference. So we do need to wrap up now. Obviously, every week I ask my political pub quiz question. This week I asked which Labour MP has served as a minister under four prime ministers. And the answer is? The answer is Margaret Beckett. It's a, I it was. It, it's a, yeah, so actually no one got that because I think it only happens on a technicality because she didn't really serve in a brown cabinet. I don't think she ever... I don't think yeah, so. she was his foreign secretary. No, no, she, was, no she wasn't. No, she, she was housing minister. Oh, was she? she? Anyway, I, I sorted out this question and then forgot about it up until today and couldn't find out what my source for it was. <laughs> <laughs> but Margaret Beckett was definitely the answer. She was definitely a minister under but Gordon. Be, because of that, um, I don't think anyone got the answer right this week. It was, I did. I'll get a mug. Well, I, I was very surprised because people did, really did struggle with it. And people love Margaret Beckett. Apparently, she is the, the only highlight of NEC meetings these days because in them, she just basically drops truth bombs <laughs> from various times. And because she's the only person who sat in an NEC meeting in nineteen seventy or was it a PLP meeting in she was out 79 to 83 yeah, wasn't yeah. she so yeah in, in 83 she came back into parliament she's got these things that everyone's like nobody around the table can say they're wrong because they were children of the time well Richard congratulations you've definitely you more than deserved Woo! the progress mode for, for that incredible Margaret Beckett knowledge uh, we'll be back on Tuesday do remember to send in any comments and questions leave a review rate and subscribe on iTunes and thanks for listening You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast with Connor Pope and Richard Angel. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton. <laughs>